Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And of course, joining me is my co-host, James Johnson, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. Jay, it is good to be back with you here for another really, really exciting episode. And yet again, another awesome guest. Like you, like we told you guys, we're going to start bringing in you know more of these awesome guests here as we get closer and closer to the season. And of course, throughout the season. So, Jay, I hope you're doing well. It's good to see you. And uh, yeah, ready to get into this conversation we had with Lori because uh, our listeners are really going to love this one. Yeah, man. She provided, as always, as we've seen on Twitter and all her other projects, she provided a lot of great information. Uh, so can't wait to get this episode out and, um, you know, have the people react to it and let us know what they thought of it. And they're yeah, glad to be back, man. It's been a fun week. In terms of us finally getting to see football, like relevant football, uh, they haven't necessarily gotten into the regular season yet. But, you know, seeing Trevor Lawrence, you know, have his, uh, you know, his immaculate start that he did and he kind of chilled down. And then now he's back on the increase or the incline now. So uh, it was good to see that and good to see like the team in general, man, like because we had so many questions, you know, not just him. Obviously, it's a bunch of young players on this team and a bunch of free agents like they made a lot of transactions, you know, in the off season, And now we're finally getting to see it on the field. So that was dope. Um, as usual, we appreciate everybody who uh, have been a loyal listener, wait, uh, rating, commenting, subscribing. Uh, also appreciate the casual listeners and uh, yeah, man, can't wait to get to this action-packed episode. Yeah, 100%. So whether you are brand new or have been listening for a while, thank you so much for joining us here this week. Of course, you can find the show pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn. And, uh, of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. We are part of the awesome Believe Podcast Library. You can also find us on social media and interact with us on Believe in Jags Pod or at Believe in Jags Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Jay is at sportsgrind underscore Dawn, and you can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And of course, before we get into this discussion with Lori Fitzpatrick from Touchdown Wire, we have to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, which of course is Bet Online. So if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. They already have odds up there for the NBA Finals next year, as well as Rookie of the Year, so make sure you check that out. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. But with that being said, folks, let's just jump right into it because this conversation ended up being pretty lengthy, I think lengthier than we thought it was going to be, which means we had a whole lot to say. So without further ado, folks, let's get into our interview with Lori Fitzpatrick from Touchdown Wire.
All right, everybody, it is about that time here on Believe in the Jaguars. We are going to bring in our very, very exciting guest here this week, Lori Fitzpatrick. You guys, I know I've seen her tweets all over Jaguar Twitter, and we are super happy to have her in here this week. Lori, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? And uh, yeah, excited to speak with you about some Jaguar stuff here today. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, thank you guys for having me, man. I'm I'm excited for Jaguars training camp, man. Finally got the pads on. So, you know, I'm excited to talk, talk Jags, man. That's, that's basically what I uh, eat, sleep and breathe, right? Jaguars all day. So yeah, I'm excited to jump into it. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, we were talking a little bit before we got started, you know, you're part of the, you know, the wire family now as well. So super excited to have you on board and to get you over here on Believe in the Jaguars. And uh, yeah, we have a couple of questions we're going to go over because like you said, you know, we're so close to football season. You know, the Hall of Fame game is coming up. So we're going to have football from now until February. We are all set and uh, we'll go ahead and get right into it. But before we do that, Lori, for anybody that may not be familiar with your work, if you want to take an opportunity to, uh, you know, introduce yourself as well as any of the projects you're working on. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm Laurie Fitzpatrick. I, uh, I started a podcast a couple of years ago called uh, Ponytails Talking Pigskins, where I basically cover and talk Jags as, you know, a fan and as a ex-football player. Um, so I, yeah, I played football for about five and a half years and in, in women's tackle football in a couple different leagues. So, you know, I started just posting videos on Twitter and, and, Basically, that's that's where you can find me on Twitter and uh, my podcast called Ponytails Talking Pigskin. So, oh, and obviously also with the wire too, uh, with the touchdown wire. So I, I write articles on there covering and um, a bunch of uh, draft picks and and uh, all of the teams in the NFL. So that's my non Jaguar side. Well, there you go, folks. Of course, we're going to link all of that in the show notes here. So make sure you check out Lori. And of course, you know, we've shouted her out over on our social media as well. So make sure you follow her. But let's get into the questions here. We're going to discuss uh, a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, number one here, let's talk about our number one pick. And, you know, especially on on Twitter, the three of us are obviously very active on Jaguar Twitter. And, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, some disdain going on between Jaguar Twitter and New York Jets Twitter, of course. So what were your thoughts on this whole Trevor Lawrence versus Zach Wilson madness right before the draft? Because it seems like a lot of people were just trying to magically make Zach Wilson the number one QB. What do you think went on there? I think it was a little bit of jealousy. I think it was a little bit of uh, envy. Uh, and it's a it's a landslide when it when it comes to the number one quarterback. And it's, and it's Trevor Lawrence. There's no doubt about it. Honestly, I thought that it was more of a Justin Fields or Trevor pick in Urban Meyer's head. So I'm really, I don't think Zach Wilson is anything to be like worried about. Now, that's just in terms of like athletic ability and in college. I'm not saying that Zach Wilson isn't going to be, you know, successful in the future. I don't know what his potential, you know, could be. I just see. Uh, I just see Trevor ceiling a lot higher. So I don't really see it as a, as, Oh, who's number one. Uh, it's obviously Trevor. Like, come on, man. Right. You know, we've seen a lot of these Jets fans, you know, kind of talk their way into Zach Wilson, which is fine. Like, I think that's what you kind of have to do. He's your guy now. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing you can really do about it here at this point. I think it's just kind of funny that, 
you know, all of a sudden it's, well, Zach is better than Trevor. Or why would Trevor want to play in Jacksonville? You know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, oddly enough, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about who we think will have a better. I think it was it was it season or career, Jay, where we talked about Zach Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence. All I know is we got a lot of New York listeners. So on that specific oh, episode. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, we compare their supporting cast. That's what it was. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like the offenses that they had around them, because you remember at one point, you probably remember this, Lori. Uh, it was a like a little weak stint in Twitter where Jets fans were like, hey, like Zach Wilson has a better supporting cast. And like we, we were looking at it like what? I think it actually it might that tweet might have blew up from Austin Gale from PFF. Uh, who, yeah, you know, yeah, yep. no, no offense to him, but like he, he kind of just sparked it. And then Jets fans just kind of took off running with it. But a lot of what you said, I agree with Um, me and Phil have talked about this too with, with Wilson too. People forget a lot of why we didn't hear about Wilson up until, you know, like heading into the draft was because one Wilson was injured a lot often before his last year at BYU. So like, that's another knock on him too, that you like, you can't sit here and like, you know, say that he's better than Trevor Lawrence when he's missed the amount of games that he has. And, I mean, Trevor Lawrence missed games, but it was because of COVID-19. And, you know, according to the reports, at least from how I gathered it, Trevor Lawrence showed that he was better in the toughness category. He played with the labrum messed up, you know. Like, so I don't think that's something that just happened overnight. He was playing with that. So, like, that's another thing, like, people, like, are missing about this is the health aspect. Is Zach Wilson going to be a healthy NFL player? We don't even know that yet. But, I mean, you know, he has big Makai Becton on the left side to protect him, but what about the rest of that offensive line? And as you said, yeah, I agree with the Justin Fields thing. Like, me and Phil, like, never really had a conversation about personally between us that, you know, Zach Wilson was number two. It was always, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, one of the two. Like, and then it was a drop-off. But, I don't know, like, I think the media played into it, too. They played into that narrative, too, because – if you look at a lot of powerhouse media, it's based in New York, too. And they you could tell they kind of didn't want Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville as well. Because, I mean, look, it would have been better for him to go for the Jets or to the Jets, in their case, ESPN specifically, because they cover the Jets heavily. You know, like they, they're in the Jets' backyard, should I say, the Jets and the Giants. And I don't think they like that. And they kind of helped change that narrative, too, or tried to at least with uh, the whole ordeal of, Wilson being better than uh, Trevor Lawrence, which we all know that's not the case. But my question, uh, I'll roll into mine, which is about the left tackle that they basically drafted to be his protection on the blind side, um, and that is Walker Little. I know we do have Cam Robinson still, but it feels like uh, he might be an option for this year and nothing more. Uh, but Walker Little is kind of shocking people in training camp right now. I know you've seen the reports and. Uh, you've been looking at the B-roll and all of that, too, because you posted. Um, but what are your thoughts about him and his chances to get on the field as a rookie? And also, like, what did you see out of him on film in terms of, you know, when he was at Stanford? I know he has a limited body of work, but what did you see from him on film? So he he's a, he's a really good in pass protection. You know, he he has a he has that first back step. That's really good. Um, he's just not great, like in the run game and. And he's also, he's not great. Well, he wasn't great on film against really athletic edge rushers. So guys that are like, like Yannick and Gogway, I guess. Like, I know he's got like one spin move, um, but.
but like, I guess I could say like more like Josh Allen, um, you know, guys that are just super athletic that can bend their body and get around him because Walker little didn't seem to be able to hold those really athletic edge rushers for a very long time. So like he doesn't keep that wide base. He kind of, he, he allows them to gain the leverage and then he'll get taken over pretty quickly, which that was on the 2018, 2019 film that I saw. So he sent out year uh, 2020. So, you know, what are you doing during that time? You know, you're working out, you're, you're trying to get, you're trying to get bigger, you're trying to get stronger. And, you know, they said that Urban said that he has under 20% body fat uh, as a guy that weighs like 315 pounds, which is amazing. Um, And so I think just like saying, just seeing what you see on film, I don't. I don't think he's going to take over Cam Robinson's spot. Um, you know, I think that he has some. He has some work to do with, with like being that anchor, of a offensive lineman and being able to stay in that spot instead of trying to like shift and stop a guy that's more athletically gifted than him because it's just not going to. You know, I think Cam has better instincts in terms of, well, for one, you've seen him on film the last three years, uh, but Walker, you haven't. So you could just see how how Cam has progressed. He's able to pick up those stunts. He's able to, you know, really see when a guy, you know, goes to the left side at first and then he quickly goes to the right side. He's able to pick up on that really quickly. So it's going to be tough, you know, for Walker Little to take over that position. Um, but he is an absolute stud when it comes to anybody getting injured uh, or anyone like him jumping off sides all the time like he did the last two or three years, like getting those penalties. And maybe Urban's a guy that's not going to take that, you know, and and the Jaguars kind of had an issue with, uh, with plays being called back. James Robinson had a big play last year that got taken back by uh, Cam Robinson jumping off sides or that little bit of a hold that he has. And, you know, Urban's not going to stand for it. And if Walker Little comes in and shows up and shows out, then Cam Robinson, you better know that he's going to be on the bench. Um, so it's just it's just going to be really interesting to see how Cam Robinson does uh, when he has someone breathing down his neck. Um, I just don't think Walker Little is quite there yet. And and Urban said that today in his press conference. But, man, he's he's he, he certainly has the potential. That's for sure. And and I have an article coming out on him in the next week or so. So I'm going to go more in depth on, on him as well. Yeah. To add on what you said too, about urban may be in a mood and, and Trent bulky as well, where they don't want to take the penalties and stuff as well, uh, because they probably do want to play, you know, disciplined football. But on top of that too, uh, you know, like when you said that, that made me think about that incident where I forgot who it was, but Leonard Fournette literally had to pull off, Cam Robinson to the side and chill him out. You remember that? Because they were about to get like a penalty yeah. from, you know, and like that would have, yep. like if I can recall, that would have cost them the game too. So if you can't like contain yourself in a game changing moment at the end of the game, like that's concerning too. And like, you know, like not saying, you know, me and Phil have voiced our support for Leonard Fournette um, and, and, you know, his endeavors with the the Tampa Bay Bucks. But when Leonard Fournette has to pull you to the side and say, like, hey, I was going to say, when it's Leonard Fournette that has to right, <laughs> calm like, you down. <laughs> that's telling, man. So, I mean, not saying that Urban and Trent Baalke went back that far into film or whatever the case may be with Cam Robinson. But I'm just saying, like, when you said that, like, that kind of just reminded me 
of that instance. And yeah, what you said about Walker Little, that's kind of what I saw too from the limited film was like he really kind of struggled with those quick twitch bendy guys, which, you know, like I, I guess, again, you know, we're moving to a pass happy league to his defense and maybe that's what you know Trent Balky saw and by the way Trent Balky likes West Coast players by the way because that's yeah. where he came from so that might have played into it as well uh but yeah there there may be a concern for what he could do for them in the run game you know and that's it uh, seems like the yeah. way they've based this team by the way and like what they're saying it seems like they want to run the ball heavily this year you know so like that's that's another thing that I've told people, like not only has Walker Little not played football for like since 2019, but this is a team that clearly wants to run the ball. Like when James Robinson. And he only played one game in 2019 too. Right. There you go. Right. He, was it Northwestern yeah, or for, somebody or something yeah, like that? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. And what, yeah, you're right. It wasn't even like a huge team either. Right. So, and well, you know, I don't want to knock Northwestern by the way. It might've yeah, been. Yeah. There, yeah. But, it wasn't uh, that Northwestern though. Like if it was, you know, 2020 is Northwestern. Right, right. But I think 2019, they weren't there yet, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, like, you know, you look at this team and the makeup of it, James Robinson, um, they went and got uh, my man's out of free agency from Ohio State. His name is escaping me right now. Um, And then they got Travis Etienne. So, like, the makeup of this team really looks like they want to run the ball to a, a great capacity. I don't know how, you know, like what the ratio will be or whatever the case may be. So, like, yeah, basically, if you put Walker Little in and start him, you're asking a guy that is probably not the best in run blocking to uh, help a team that's going to be running the ball a lot this year, probably, at least it feels that way. And not only that, you're asking a guy that hasn't played in so long. Like, I I have a hard time believing that he's not going to struggle if you threw him in the fire, basically, for me personally. Especially, again, like you said, with those athletic players that's going to see him and uh, that he hasn't dealt with because left tackle is a, is a position where you have to get a feel and experience for what you're dealing with. You don't just jump in ten, nine times out of 10, you don't just jump into it and have the year that Makai Beckton had, you know? And I think that's kind of because he's so massive to get around. Like he's just a difficult task to get around all around. But uh, that being said, man, we'll see what happens. But a lot of people like really think Walker little could start this year, but if it's at left tackle, I don't I don't see it. I mean, I don't know about you and Phil, but it's just hard for me to really, you know, co-sign on that. And, like, I, I know it's not good to switch guys around, especially on the offensive line. Like, you kind of want to – you want to stick with that cohesiveness. So, if they practice at left tackle, you know, you want to keep him at left tackle. But I'm pretty sure he did play right tackle coming out of high school. Um, and there was even a clip that somebody posted on Twitter of him going against uh, – Clavion uh, chase on and he was lined up at r- on the right side um and he and he completely you know he shut him down then too which was kind of yeah i, I think i saw funny, that today but yeah I think I saw and that so he was today. on the right side so i hope he doesn't switch or anything um because you really want to see a guy on one side um but i think that he could be better than Jawan taylor and i don't know why people so many people agree, disagree with me in terms of like i think that like Cam Robinson is better in the run game than Juwan. Um, and I think like he has, he would have a better chance taking Taylor's spot than Cam. And I guess I'm wrong. I don't know. It's just my opinion though. But yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, I think the thing about Juwan this year, I forgot whose notes it was. I was reading somebody training camp notes, but they were saying he actually looks 
good this year. Like in training camp, um, it might have been Jamal St. Cyr from uh, News 4 Jax. I don't I don't want to put that He's on him. He's the best, man. Yeah, yeah, it might have been him. I don't want to put this on him if it wasn't him. Or, or it might have been me, but I definitely feel like it was Jamal that said this. So we'll see. Um, but I, I think, like, Jawan Taylor is a guy that probably, like, what hurt him last year was the fact that, like, it was just an odd offseason. Like, you had to do virtual workouts, and you had to do, like, virtual meetings and all of that. And, like, for a second-year player, that'll throw you off tremendously. And I don't think, like, he had that – that interaction with the coaches that he needed in the, you know, for a second year player necessarily to come on the field and kind of rebound from where he left off, not early, but late in uh, what was it? 2019 late in 2019, he looked okay. But you know, the thing is you need to, you need momentum. You need that coach to coach or coach to player interaction, not virtually. You need that to continue and build upon that. And he didn't get that. And we really saw it. I think last year where he kind of struggled, he didn't have the best year. I think he got like a 56 or something on PFF. But I think he could be better now that he's had that interaction with George Warhop this spring and summer and Urban Meyer and the whole crew, Daryl Bevel, uh, so on and so forth. So we'll see where he Mm -hmm. ends up this year, but I don't know. I think it's more likely that Walker Little is the left tackle of the future after this year, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, the coaches, like how they, you know, kind of have that report. Like you said, that's that's really important. And I don't, I don't remember who said this. Uh, it was somebody who's no longer on the Jags, but jumped on like a podcast or something. Uh, this is last year's team, and they were, I don't know, maybe it could have been DJ. I'm not, I don't, I really don't remember who it was. But they were like, yeah, you know, when we would get in a huddle or when we would go to the locker room at halftime. The, the halftime speech was, like, so bland. It was just like, all right, guys, uh, get out there and, uh, you know, win. And, like, I don't remember which player said it. But Who was it, that? They were, they were just like, crazy. yeah. Uh, Cassius Marsh. He's with the Steelers yeah. right now, isn't he? Or he's with I think. one of those teams. But it was Cassius Marsh. I remember I wrote an article on it. That's how I remember. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it was just like, if you don't have a good rapport with your coaches, like, that's that's just got to be tough for, for, a, for a young player, you know? Yeah, that's telling, too, because Doug Marone was an offensive line coach. You know, now, I mean, he was the head coach, clearly, but he has an offensive line coach background. So, uh, you know, that probably didn't help uh, Juwan Taylor either. You know, even though that's not his position, the coach is his position is to oversee the whole football team. But you would think like Doug Marone as a former offensive line coach would want to be hands on with the offensive lineman at some point. You know, like you see Urban working with special teamers sometimes. Or you see yeah, Urban and, and working what, with receivers sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I guess that didn't help at all. But, uh, Phil, you got the next question, man. Yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to stick with the offensive side here because we're we're hoping to see some new things. Last week, we had Kevin Ostriker on from the Ravens Wire to specifically talk, of course, about Joe Cullen. But we want to focus here on Daryl Bevel specifically with you, Lori. So, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on the scheme that he could bring in? And also what are your thoughts on Marvin Jones jr. Who of course, you know, followed him from Detroit because he's been arguably one of the best players in camp. So what do you think about the scheme offensively that we could be seeing here this season? You know, like we mentioned earlier, it's going to be heavily relied on the run game, you know, um, you know, up in say up in Seattle, you had a, you had a guy in, um, you know, the, the running back that was there with Russell Wilson, Marshawn. Oh, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, um, you know, when, when you have a guy like that, that that's like really powerful, but he's also fast, uh, you know, you can help a new quarterback like Russell Wilson coming in. And uh, Bevel was there only one year before Russell came in. And so he kind of was there to help groom him and, and help get him into the flow of like, okay, we don't want to, we don't want to um, do a, you know, a, I don't want to say like Vince Young type of offense, but a, a guy that's going to just like get, get slammed and, and continually, uh, you know, having to run the ball because it's just, it's something that you don't want to see. And then they, he's done a really good job with Russell Wilson. Um, but it's, it's heavily relied on a successful run game and you have a guy like Schottenheimer as well. And then you pair that with urban Meyer, who is like severely, you know, he really cares about the, the run game as well, where he usually has a two headed monster that can kind of take over, uh, those short little ring think passes, or maybe those uh, big plays aren't working out so well, you can hand the ball off. So, you know, we're going to expect a lot of, uh, a lot of EN flats and it's going to be a lot of James Robinson uh, or ETN draws as well. Then some James Robinson, uh, uh, you know, some sweeps and, and things like that. So it's going to be a, a heavily relied uh, offense that's or heavily relied on, on the run game. Um, and it's going to be timed routes, you know? So I think if you just look at the way Russell Wilson was able to see in that type of offense, uh, that that's really the similar type of offense that the Jaguars are going to run. And they got a guy in Marvin Jones that they can just rely on, right? You know, Trevor is going to have that, that, that one receiver that he's going to have a really good rapport with. And I think Bevel's just going to make sure that Marvin is that guy you know, not to shut out DJ or anything. Um, I think DJ would, he's going to be better with another guy in there like Marvin to kind of some of the pressure. Um, and then obviously you have a quick guy like LaVisca, man, it's going to be exciting. Uh, so, um, yeah, I just, I just think that, uh, it's going to mirror a little bit of Seattle, but it's going to be more run heavy. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Seattle because Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Russell Wilson he uh you know he backed up Darrell Bevel right in the offseason? Didn't he say something positive about Darrell Bevel in the offseason? Am I making that up? I could have sworn I saw something like that. That was Schottenheimer, actually. Okay. Uh Schottenheimer, okay. he was saying he didn't endorse Schottenheimer getting fired or he didn't agree okay. with it. Yeah. So right, right, right. he was a guy that, you know, when you know, when you see something like that, if you urban, it's like, oh. I need to jump on that, obviously. So he was out there on the free agent market, so to speak, for a coach at least, and they snagged him as well. It's funny, like, because he was the guy that preceded Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator in, C uh, in Seattle. So we've got both of Seattle's last two coordinators, basically, working with uh, with Trevor Lawrence and the crew, which I, I like. You know, I like that because, like Laurie said, Russell did have a great deal of success. You know, I know it was a lot of run. Uh, a lot of running the ball with Marshawn Lynch and what have you, but he did have a lot of success with Daryl Bevel there. And, you know, I know a lot of people will point to the play uh, where Daryl Bevel, they say Daryl Bevel ba uh, basically lost them the Super Bowl that was picked off by Malcolm Brown. But, you know, like me and your argument, Phil, remember was, well, we're the Jacksonville Jaguars and we haven't been to a Super Bowl at all. So let's get to the Super Bowl first and have that conversation of what play was right in the Super Bowl before we even – 
uh, jump the gun here. So I'm right. with you. I, I think Daryl Bevel was probably one of the better additions for the team overall. Yeah, but, you know, they didn't have that balance either like like they have now with Schottenheimer there. So Schottenheimer is going to remind him to run the ball. You know, he's going to be there for Bevel because, um, you know, Schottenheimer likes to run the ball as well. So, so you know, he, he it's just like a friendly reminder. Um, but uh, it's important to have that balance. And obviously, he's going to make sure he runs the ball too. But, you know, Bevel was kind of – he kind of stood alone there uh, and – and uh, P. Carroll really trusted him, but sometimes it's not a great thing to have that, you know, to have that dictator, the sole person calling the shots. It's good to kind of pull in everybody. So that's why he has those other guys. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Hey, let's get us there first, and then we'll worry about yeah. uh, bad play calls, right? <laughs> exactly. At least let's get to the point where we're like, man, did you see that that play call in the Super Bowl? I can't believe it couldn't. And if it's going to cause, at least at that point, we would have one because that cost them their second Super Bowl. So let's get in a position where we're upset that we didn't win our second Super Bowl, but we at least we at least have one. Let's start there. <laughs> I'd rather love to have that conversation over having the conversation about Miles Jack wasn't down in the AFC Championship. All right, like yeah. let's I, I want to have that conversation where we're in the Super Bowl cuz it like to me like the whole I mean, yeah, we could have went to the Super Bowl probably with that play, but I mean, like, what I'm saying is, like, we haven't reached that level yet. And, um, you know, like, as Jags fans, like, who are we to be picky of a guy that's had the success that Daryl Bevel had with Russell Wilson? Like, you know, like, it just – it didn't make sense to me, like, the people that were knocking Daryl. You know, it was a few. It wasn't many, but it, it didn't make sense to me at all. Uh, but, yeah, Lori, in terms of the next question, um, our question is on the tight ends group. We're going to continue on the offense here, who many have concerns with – uh, but the Jaguars have silently been getting playmakers out of that position. If you just listen to the training camp reports, uh, surprisingly, when O'Shaughnessy was healthy, you know, the one or two days he was healthy, I think he was there for the first two days, and then he had the ankle. Uh, you know, you heard about him being one of the outlets for Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. Um, and now the name I'm starting to hear a lot of, and he's a guy that I do like, by the way, because I remember seeing some of him at North Dakota State. He didn't get the ball a ton, but Ben Elfson is the guy that I keep hearing people mention in terms of the training camp reports. And he's a name to watch because he got a lot of snaps in terms of when O'Shaughnessy was out. But um, that being said, like, you know, we've also heard about Luke Farrell making a play here and there. Uh, Man Hurts making a play here and there, you know, not necessarily all the time. Um, you know, Tebow sounds like a work in progress. But overall, what do you think of this tight ends group? And uh, do you? How do you think they'll fare in the regular season? Man, it's gonna be tough. I think this is the biggest question mark on the entire offense, right? Um, it was one uh, one piece that everybody kind of wished uh, Urban kind of addressed, maybe in free agency with like Zach Ertz or or something like that. Um, but you know, I I did I did my I did my digging on Manhurts um, from Carolina. He was definitely underutilized for sure. Um, you know, he has some hands on him and, and he was used a little bit more often in the blocking rather than the receiving, but boy, he can catch too. He's make he's made some, uh, some good plays. Then you got Luke uh, Farrell or well, Farrell, I guess uh, he's not for real. Right. Uh, um, Luke where he, he's a, he's a blocker, right? So he's going to be, um, you know, a guy that can block, uh, O'Shaughnessy is probably going to be the number one guy, but like you're saying, it's 
there's a little bit of a, an injury scare there. Um, and yeah, we heard, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to say his name or Ellipson, right. You said, so, um, yeah, he, he's been the biggest talk of this training camp, especially the last like 48 hours. Um, he's gotten a lot of, a lot of talk. And I don't know if that's because of like, just because he's gone against Tim Tebow, like uh, that battle. And Tim usually has been the one that kind of, you know, he hasn't won a lot of those reps. Uh, so like you're saying, I think Tim's a work in progress. It's going to be a little scary, to be honest. I like the fact that, uh, that quarterbacks use that tight end position as a, as a, like a fail safe. Um, Trevor didn't really have a huge that he relied on all the time. So maybe that's why they brought in a guy like, uh, like Marvin, um, like Marvin Jones, who can, who can kind of be that, that, that resort or whatever. Um, but honestly, this, this, this position is a huge question mark. Um, it's tough. I, I think O'Shaughnessy will be one, um, man hurts will, will get in there and receiving as well. Then Luke will be a little bit of a blocker and we're, we'll kind of see where, uh, Ellison, where, where he kind of ends up. Um, it's going to, man, it's just so interesting. I think the scrimmage is going to tell is going to be a big tale too. Um, when you watch that B roll, you see urban is locked in on those tight ends. Every single time they do a drill, he's right there beside him. So I saw think that he all also day Saturday had, saw that. All yeah. Day right. Saturday. He's just breathing down their necks. So I think he wouldn't really be able to answer that question either. <laughs> like it's crazy right now. Um, that position's kind of up in the air. I think O'Shaughnessy has the best chance of obviously taking it, um, Luke will be more of a blocker. Man hurts will kind of do a little bit of both. And uh we'll see about Ellipson where he where he's gonna kind of end up. I'm excited for the scrimmage to to see. We'll we'll definitely know more after the scrimmage and against the Browns after the, the first uh preseason game. Yeah, like you said, I mean it was definitely something we we all expected them to address earlier on in the draft than they did or in free agency like or like a trade like you said you mentioned Zach Ertz oh Zach Ertz we're just waiting on him to get cut that never happened Evan Ingram we're going to trade for Evan Ingram like how many different tight ends how many different names did we have we gone through in the last few months and then it just never materialized Mm -hmm. and then we ended up with Tim Tebow and that's certainly something that I didn't expect to to see happening but here we are on August 4th (laughs) yeah but you know what um I think uh I think I think it's important to remember uh, that this is this is not a, a one and done season for Urban Meyer. Uh, he he was kind of uh, he was he was really upset about the fact how expensive players are to get. Right? He's used to you know that name coming up in caller ID and guys are like, yeah, I'll be there. But now it's like, how much are you gonna pay me? Right? And so how much are you gonna give up for me? Things like that. And it's just like you know, the Jags couldn't give away that much in order to get a guy, you know, like a big playmaker and tight end who wouldn't really be a huge playmaker on this team because they have so many other ways that they, that they can distribute the ball. So what I'm getting at is next year, the draft is deep in tight ends, not, not a, not a Kyle Pitts type of draft where you're going to, you're going to see a bunch of Kyle Pitts out there. No, but you're going to, you, you see a lot of very effective tight ends that can go both ways and, and that are uh, some H backs. So I'm thinking 
that the reason why he didn't give up everything is because next year he's going to go high with tight ends because it's it's one of the deepest groups in next year's draft. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's not even something that I had considered. You know, of course, everyone is wondering, well, what are we going to do at tight end this year? But you know, Jay and I have been on here telling people to, of course, temper your expectations for this year. Are we going to be better than last season? Of course, but it's still going to be a work in progress. And yes, this is a multi-year retool that we are uh, that we are certainly uh, working on. Jay, do you have something to add on as far as the tight ends? It was funny. She's talking about the tight end class. Guess what we were talking about about a week ago? Charlie Kolar from Iowa State. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was mentioning how, you know, like I was like, okay, I wouldn't mind this guy. I mean, he can't change directions all that well, but – uh, he's a he's a beast in terms of if you put the ball within his wingspan and, uh, you know, he's a beast with he's mastered finding the zones and finding the spots in defenses. And he's mastered uh, basically, you know, that basketball mentality you have to have to play tight end in terms of being a receiver, boxing people out, you know, out leaping people, those kind of things. So. Uh, maybe he's a guy they would like. I don't know. Like then again, like just looking at the history between Trent Baalke and Urban Meyer, they might want like a more athletic guy, which that's why it kind of shocked me that they didn't get one of the guys like in the early rounds this year. But I think, you know, time will tell on it. Um, they definitely probably will address it next year, but they they might be able to get enough out of that position in the regular season. When you look at how O'Shaughnessy has kind of shown up in regular season games for Gardner Minshew, remember that? That was like his guy. Uh, when Gardner Minshew was first mm-hmm. introduced to the field as a rookie in terms of regular season game, his outlet was James O'Shaughnessy early and often. So maybe, you know, we could see some more of that with Trevor Lawrence this time around, and uh, that'll be enough to get him through the year at least, and then, you know, next year they can leap on another tight end or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I think that uh, I'm a little upset, honestly, about uh, Tim Tebow and how non-fluid he seems so stiff, man. Like, didn't you see that, Phil, when he was uh, – or when you went? Yep. Absolutely. And I saw you tweeted about it earlier today. Like, he's just not using his his whole body weight. That's what you had said earlier, right? Yeah, and that's what basketball is. Like, when you have someone on your back and you're tr- you're at the top of the key and you're trying to get open, like, you're using your body um, in order to get that leverage to kind of – to feel where that defender is so you can roll off and do pick and rolls and stuff and, and you're able to jump up and get the ball at the highest point. And there is a lot of basketball in, in uh, you know, in that tight end position. And I'm just going to – throw this out there and say, I bet Tim Tebow is not like a great basketball player. I mean, he doesn't look it anyway. He just looks like pretty stiff, right? His hips don't seem like he could cross you over. You could rip him pretty easily. So uh, it's funny that you brought up that basketball, um, you know, uh, comparison because yeah, I don't, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed on, on, uh, on Tim Tebow's fluidity. I thought that he would be more like you know show his more athletic side and i don't know if it's nerves or something like he's just trying to be the best and so he's like stiff and nervous but hopefully in the next couple weeks we kind of see that him kind of break out of his shell a little bit and and show more of like his body athleticism when he was running the ball as a uh, as a quarterback hopefully that kind of comes out because right now i don't really see it yeah we certainly haven't seen him out there on IG live playing basketball with DJ and Terry Godwin and LaVisca. <laughs> we haven't seen it. I don't know if you've seen it, Jim. I certainly haven't. <laughs> nah, I haven't seen it. Now that she mentioned it, 
He he even when he was playing quarterback at Florida, he didn't seem all that fluid of an athlete. He seemed like a guy that was straight to the point and run through you. You know, he didn't have, you know, swivelly hips, whatever the, you know, the term that people use. People use different terms. He didn't, you know, he didn't exactly change directions fluidly, you know, like when he, he was just, you know, at most a one cut guy, run through you type of guy when he was running the ball. Uh, so like now that I think about it, like why how did we even get on the whole ordeal of uh, when he was a quarterback, the whole ordeal was like, maybe he should try a tight end. How did we even get on that? That's a great question. Uh, yeah, that's a great question that you bring that up. Like, it's athleticism, but, like, he just – you're right. He's just a one-cut guy with the ball. He could just make plays because, like, he's good at knowing where the defense is. But as a tight end, you're told where to go, and then you have to make the play. So, I don't know. You're right. That's a very good question. <laughs> We got to look back and see who started it. <laughs> I mean, if he ends up, which we don't think he'll end up on the team, but I think he'll more so end up on practice squad and Urban wants him as a locker room guy. And I mean, when you're on practice squad, you got about a, you got about a 60% chance to see the field at some point because injuries happen, especially with it being a seven. COVID. Yeah. Oh, I forgot there about that. How could I forget yep. about that? Um, and, you know, it's a 17 game season now. It's a, it's another game added to the the season so you know if he's on practice squad I think he could see like two to three to four games you know out there whatever the case may be and when he's out there I just think like they'll do their best to like just get him in the open and let him try and run over a defensive back the nearest defensive back type of deal but he you know again don't expect you know George Kittle out there or anything like that but I mean you know we'll see time will tell um He's going to be like the guy from the replacement, like John Boyd. Go get me that ball. Yeah, I'm going to go get you the ball. Coach, I got the ball. And then he's like, all right, go sit down. <laughs> all right, Tim, great job. Get the hell out of here. I'm just mad at Tim because on Saturday, he ignored our entire section when they were throwing footballs out into the crowd. And not that I wanted a Tim Tebow sign football anyway, but the fact that he didn't even yes, throw it away. <laughs> okay listen we'll talk about that after whether or not i want to we saw anyway. you on the literally on the jaguars <laughs> highlights hanging over the gates over there at the bleachers talking about so there was a it. kid like a ball like landed in front of the bleachers and like he jumped over to go get it the ball and you pushed him out the way they know they threw him out what <laughs> they did he came oh over and were like out i was like oh okay wait Practice somebody pushed the kid no, no, no. Like they No, no, I out. was just joking. He crawled <laughs> he crawled over like the bleachers like to get the ball because it, it someone had thrown the ball and it like it didn't get into the crowd mm. and security tossed him out. <laughs> they weren't they were not having it. So how old was he? Was he young? He might have been uh he might have been like either a late teenager or maybe even early twenties. So he was old enough to know. Oh, oh, oh man, yeah. <laughs> so like the ball that much. Yeah. Relax. Yeah, so but anyway, let's let's uh, you know transition here and talk about the the defense here a little bit. And this is actually I, I'm pretty sure something that we've all been monitoring, which is C.J. Henderson. And we just wanted to ask you, like, do you have any maybe any concern about him? You know, he's lost a lot of time because of uh, being out, and of course, the competition at cornerback is really solid. Of course, between Sidney Jones and maybe even Tyson Campbell coming in. So, just you know, looking at at C.J. Henderson, I think we've all monitored his body language and kind of maybe questioned where his head is at. So where, where's your level of concern with CJ? Well, I'm not really worried about CJ Henderson. Honestly, I'd say the only concern is that he was injured last year. Um, but as a corner, you don't really like, you're not the quarterback of the defense, like a linebacker, right? So they, they get in trips, you switch the zone. 
right? They're, they're, uh, you know, you're up man to man. You're going to tell them, you know, where's your leverage. All right. Get, get on the field, cover this guy. You know, you're, you're on the number one wide receiver. Just follow him around. There's not many things that they need to, to really be, I don't want to say that they don't need to be like cohesive and everything because there, there are times where they'll do switches and things like that. Like you have man, uh, unless this guy goes over here and then you, you leave your guy and you go over there, like in the middle of the play. Um, there are really only like those cases where like that you, you need to be like a cohesive unit. And that's just something that the film room, you can even just get that type of, uh, get that type of like report there in the film room uh, as well. So in terms of like COVID and him kind of being hurt, I'm not really worried about that. I'm worried about him. Maybe like, I I can't even say I'm worried about him personally because I don't know how he is personally. I don't know if he's a guy that isn't really talkative anyway. Um, I heard some people say on Twitter that he was a little mad when Tyson Campbell got drafted. I don't even know if that's true. Um, you know, maybe he put like an emoji or something like, dang, like what the heck's going on? So like, I would, if anything, I would maybe be just worried about his affect, like, you know, but I don't know how he is normally. I don't know. Maybe he's a guy that thrives on that attitude. Maybe he's a guy that, that loves that he stays to himself and he just balls out, you know, like maybe he's that type of guy, but in terms of like not being there right now, I'm not really worried about it. Maybe in terms of like core work, like just being, uh, being in, um, being in shape, like with conditioning and having that strong core, uh, yeah, he'll be a week or two back, but honestly, I'm not too worried about it. Um, they brought Shaq in for a reason. Um, and then you have Tyson to kind of step in when, you know, when CJ takes a playoff or two, you know, and I don't think I- I'm not really worried about it. It's the simple answer. No, I'm not worried about it. Um, I think I'm more interested in that nickel corner position. I'll bring this up too. And I'd like to hear what both of you have to say. Do you think maybe it's, there's a level of concern maybe within the fan base, just because we have this new influx of energy, like from these new players, like Shaq Griffin, Rayshon Jenkins, Jod Ward has been a social media star. Do you think it's just because, you know, CJ, like you said, Lori is a quieter guy and he's just not necessarily fitting in with, you know, some of these more, you know, out there players, you know, the louder well, players. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I would say that nobody knows him really honestly yeah. because he was hurt. So nobody, like none of the, nobody, none of the fans had a chance to really know what this guy is like. So they're kind of just assuming that, you know, he's not getting along with people or he's isolated. Um, but they don't, since he was hurt, we don't know what type of player person that he is so it's easy to assume and it's easy to kind of throw that out there because it's such a contrast to Shaq and you know and to the guys that are that are just uh really like extroverted um you know but it doesn't mean you know it doesn't mean that he's not bad teammate or anything like that yeah 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 yeah. we don't don't know but but you're right. I just I wish maybe we we could get some videos of them like joking around or something like yeah. let us know so we don't that's, assume. But whatever. And I that's mean, why I brought it up because we're coming yeah. off an offseason where Trevor Lawrence and DJ Chark and Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault are jumping into a river in North and South Carolina <laughs> and Josh Allen and Logan Cook are going hunting, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Like we we're seeing the team come together in a way that we haven't seen 
in a very, very long time. And CJ is absent from that. So I think that's why people are maybe jumping to conclusions. Do you think that maybe what be going on might, might be what's going on, Jay? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. We don't see him on social media hanging with the fellas, so to speak, you know, because I don't know. I don't even know if it's really the extroverted thing or, you know, um, you know, the whole thing of being quiet, because look at James Robinson. He's a quiet kid. And, you know, we all feel like he's connected to the team somehow. Uh, and, and part of it is, too, we do see James Robinson hanging out with LaVisca, you know, like during the offseason. Yeah, he was also in Vegas with LaVisca. Right, so. right. So that's part <laughs> of it, too. But, yeah, like if we had that visual or, you know, we just saw that video, like Laurie said, or, you know, we saw even on the sideline, you know, we see Jihad Ward, uh, you know, joking on him, cracking on him and him laughing. You know, that would work wonders, you know, if we just saw that simple interaction between him and other teammates and we really haven't. And, you know, like it's, you know, part of me wonders, you know, like personally, I looked at it like, OK, so who seems like a person on this team that hangs out with C.J. Henderson? And, like, I just – I have a hard time finding somebody who I feel like, you know, that he would hang out with. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. That don't mean, like, behind the scenes, uh, you know, he doesn't have a buddy he's working out with that's on the team or whatever the case may be. But I think it would just be good for us as fans to get that visual somehow. And maybe it might come this year. We'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, and I think him being on a COVID list, like, you don't know if the way he looks, he's, he's pissed maybe, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. he's pissed because he, he can't get out there. And not that he's pissed just overall, you know, hopefully that that's not the case. And maybe it's just like these, this last week has been a little frustrating. So he's not going to be smiling giddy and, and all that, but you know, maybe he's, he's not really worried about anything, nothing in the back of his head. And so, you know, you're right. Send us a video, get get it out there, man. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to, but whatever, you know, we just want it. We want it. We want to have your back. We want to love you and praise you and, and do all that stuff. So, you know, let us have that. <laughs> right. I, I think that's that's a good point because the fan base is so ready to embrace him, but doesn't seem like he's been he's either wanted to or again, maybe he, that's just not in his personality because Jaguar social media has been so great. At, let's get to know these new guys. Hey, look, here's Jod Ward having a good time and all that kind of stuff. And then the only images we've seen of CJ thus far, him standing off to the sideline, looking pretty upset on the bike. Exactly. So. We'll see, you know, uh, again, um, there, there is a level of concern there, I think, amongst the fan base. But until, uh, you know, let, let's get to some football. Let's get them out there on the field and see how it goes from that point on. And, you know, maybe hopefully we'll get to temper those uh, those concerns a little bit. But, Jay, I know we got one more, and that's concerning another new addition here on the uh, on the defensive side. Yeah, I just wanted to know, Lori, what's your thoughts on Andre Sisco and the film you've seen on him? I like him as a prospect personally. Um, I think it's – speaks volumes when you're able to get especially playing safety and playing in a lot of open field it speaks volumes when you're able to get like 12 picks in two years in in today's day and age that's not I don't think people understand how hard that is to play in that much space and be able to get that many picks um that being said what are your thoughts on him and um I mean me and Phil at least feel like he's gonna start I don't think many people think otherwise uh but yeah what do you think about his chances to start as well uh so the the defensive coach said that uh they're gonna they're gonna tailor this defense around well he mentioned two people he mentioned uh Rayshon Jenkins and Shaq Griffin um and that's just because those guys uh you know have have their veterans you know they played so it's really about like 
who's going to get this other position? Um, now, I do think that Andre Cisco has a great chance. He, he he wraps up. He can he can definitely you know he has that aggressiveness. Um, there are some aspects where you know he's not as fluid, and that's like off coverage. You know, maybe he takes a little bit of a long time to kind of, to kind of get his hips all the way around, and that leaves a lot of separation there. Um, but maybe that's just the type of defense where, you know, you'll have, uh, you know, Chase on kind of step back or or Miles um, Jack will be there to 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 cover that space in between, you know, the, the second line of defense and the third line of defense. So um, it's honestly, it's really about, how he does in, in these scrimmages and preseason, but boy, he's a ball hawk. It, like you're saying, it is really hard for a guy to get uh, to get a lot of picks. You know, Jalen Ramsey is so good, but he never picked the ball off. And then you have somebody that's the complete opposite in Cisco, who just like literally looks for the ball. Like if his guy is kind of off, like his guy maybe isn't in the play, he's looking right at the quarterback to see where is this ball going because I'm about to pick it off. And that's something that you really want to see in a free safety. So I think he has a good chance uh, to to be, you know, to get that 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 starting spot. Um, it's just like, you know, is Rayshon going to be the, the strong safety? Because I want to. I would rather see a guy that that is stronger out there, like a, a Sheldon Brown or, or like a Brian Dawkins who's going to knock your head off. And those are those like old school safeties. And maybe they're just not like really around anymore. Um, but I kind of want I think that that the Jaguars defense is missing a hard nose like hitter in the secondary. I just like I don't see it. I don't know who it's, it's going to be. Right. Like, so like, can Rashawn kind of step up and take that? Cause I see Cisco as a starter, but as a free safety, who's gonna, just going to go after the ball. Um, I don't see him as a, as a guy that's going to knock somebody's socks off or, or take their helmet off, you know, when they hit him. So it's just about how is he going to fit in this defense? Um, you know, depending on the packages that they put out there. Um, if it's nickel, like, yeah, he has a great chance of being out there as a starter every single time. Um, like I'm saying the nickel package, not as a nickel corner um, uh, or not as a corner either. I'm just saying like in the nickel package, um, I think he has a good chance of being the starter on the field. Um, it just worries me on, on who the heck is going to be the strong safety. Uh, and that's my question. Um, but I think Cisco has the skill set to do it. Um, you know, it's just going to, it's going to take a little bit of time because safety is like the quarterback of the defense, even though people think linebacker is a lot of the time, I think a, a safety, he's the one that can, that can really point guys and, and he sees everything. He's the last line of defense, right? Right. He so sees the whole I think field, basically he yeah, has exactly. the best view. Yeah. The, the best view. So it's usually like, uh, you know, he, it's going to take maybe a year for him to kind of step into that role. Um, but I think he can get a lot of, I think he can get a, in a lot of snaps this year, like for sure, just because of the skill set that he has, man, he's a ball Hawk. He just goes after it. He flies to the ball. So, you know, if you, they can get picks, that's the number one thing a defense always looks at is that turnover uh, that the takeaways. So if he can force a fumble, um, you know, or, uh, you know, uh, pass breakups and, and just kind of getting his nose in there, uh, whether that's, you know, uh, whether that's breaking it up like with his helmet or just, you know, breaking it up, uh, you know, pre 
the catch, like before the catch. That's what he's going to be used for. He's going to be manned up, and I think I think he does well against uh, against uh, even the bigger guys. You know, I, I think he does well. Like he's not going to be like mismatched very very often. I think that uh, he he can play over the top. Like he's not going to get beat, is what I mean. Like too much. Because uh, he can see where the quarterback is thrown, and he's going to get there, I think, before anybody else. So he has a, he has a lot of potential. Um, I think he can get a lot of snaps. It's just what the heck are they going to do at the strong safety position? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I think it has to be Rashawn Jenkins at, at that strong safety role. And, you know, we were talking about this with Kevin last week. Um, And, like, a lot of the traits he was mentioning sounded like Rayshon Jenkins. And it's it's times where I did put on film and Rayshon Jenkins is close to the line of scrimmage and making, you know, plays behind the line of scrimmage type of deal. So if it mirrors what Don Martindale does in Baltimore, it feels like, and I forgot the safety's name. We'll have to go back and look at that podcast. But it wasn't Deshaun Elliott. It was the guy that plays alongside Deshaun Elliott uh, that plays a little Chuck bit. Chuck Clark? It might have been Chuck Clark. Yeah, that he said they kind of, you know, they kind of use him like it, how I gather the dime roll kind of like as an extra linebacker sometimes close to the line of scrimmage, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe that's what they see for Rayshon, because like you said, I mean, I have seen Andre Cisco knock the lights out of some people, but I don't know if that's something we want to get used to. Like, you know, he he belongs in space. He belongs, uh, you know, in the in the backfield, uh, you know, kind of cover one type of deal which is, you know, that's basically when the safety literally is the last line of defense. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. Like, with with, with Rayshon Jenkins, though, I do understand where they're coming from in terms of him being, like, kind of like one of the, the mouthpieces of the defense and as well as uh, Griffin as well because we've seen it. Like, those two are literally the two most vocal people on the defense. You know, aside from Jihad Ward, probably, they probably got the loudest voices. And, I mean, Rayshon Jenkins – it's probably a guy that has seen a lot of things, you know, like that's what you want is a guy that's seen a lot of different sets, a lot of, um, you know, tight end receiver sets, whatever the case may be. And Shaq Griffin as well. And Shaq Griffin has even seen playoff success. If I can recall, I think they've won some playoff games while he was there. It's been a struggle for the Seahawks as of late when they get in the playoffs, but I think they have won some playoff games while he was there. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's why they kind of want those guys to be the mouthpiece of the defense. And, I mean, they just show those traits, too. Like, you see it off the field. Like, they literally are the livest guys. You see them, uh, the guys that, you know, that Jaguar social media, the cameras are always flocking to for videos, you know. So, it makes sense that they would be those kind of mouthpiece guys of the defense. And I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, this is way different from, you know, what we saw in 2017 where Jalen Ramsey was the guy in – Calais Campbell, this is a new, different breed of guys. And it just, you know, the energy they bring, I really like. Uh, but time will tell if they put it together and actually are effective on the field. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, Rayshon, he he kind of played both, um, but he played more uh, free safety at the Chargers. So, you know, they kind of, like, in his last year with that team, they kind of moved him around a lot. Um, so, yeah, like you said, we'll just kind of have to see um, – you know, kind of what's going to happen. Absolutely. Well, Lori, that's all we've got for you here tonight. Uh, again, this was an absolute blast. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to have you on again throughout the season and, uh, you know, check in with you and we'll 
we'll check everybody's state as far as how the team is going, how Trevor Lawrence is looking and all that kind of stuff. So one more time before we get out of here, if you want to let everybody know where they can find your work and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much guys for having me. It was absolutely awesome. As you guys know, I love talking Jag. So uh, you can find me obviously on Twitter um, at Laurie Fitzpatrick, just, you know, type it in. You'll see there, you'll see me with my, uh, with my face paint and my black and white picture holding the football. I try to, you know, look all hard, right? So, uh, no, you can find me on Twitter. Then uh, also uh, on YouTube, Ponytails Talking Pigskins. And then uh, last but not least, uh, the Touchdown Wire. So with USA Today. Um, and frankly, you know, maybe Jaguars, maybe Jags Wire sometime in the future. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to come back during the season. Absolutely. Jay, is there anything else you want to ask, Lord, before we get out of here? Nah, man, it was a blast to have her on um, after, you know, seeing all the like two years worth of tweets from her. Uh, glad to have her <laughs> on board with, uh, you know, the wire sites. And hopefully uh, we can get um, her to do some work with us at Jaguars Wire. It was a blast. Absolutely, folks. Well, again, thanks so much for checking out Believe in the Jaguars. Again, make sure you find us anywhere you're listening to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, all of that. We're on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the awesome Believe Podcast library. All of Lori's links will be listed in the show notes. You can tweet the show or find us on Instagram, Believe in Jags Pod. Find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. Thank you so much. Don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but more importantly, believe in yourselves. We'll see you next time, guys. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.